Hello, sports fans. You're in the group chat, and Andre Johnson's upset. Everybody's upset that Jack Easterby's still around the organization, and nothing good's happened since Jack Easterby got to Houston. At least that's what Andre said, amongst the other things that we're going to get to today. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm doing well. I mean, it's amazing how many things we have to talk about. Like, since we last convened, there's a new general manager, but it, it still feels, well, not still feels, the, the house is completely and utterly on fire right now, and the Texans are unable to put it out. That's I mean, it feels, it's, it's, it, it's weird that we're covering a team that's literally the laughing stock of the NFL. Like normally, like you'll say something shocking, like you'll say, "Yeah, this is no, this is this is the laughing stock of the NFL right now," and 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 I guess that's I guess that's good to uh, talk about. It's good content, but that's that's just where we are right now. That's what it. Uh, I, I had a buddy of mine who's a Lions fan, and he was like, "This seems strangely familiar to some of the issues that the Lions have had over the years, where they're just like everybody can just make fun of them nonstop." I mean, you you could you could survive the perception of like a couple of these things, but all of them folded on to each other. I agree with Landry has turned the Texans into a, a punching bag for how you do, how you not supposed to do business in the NFL. It has turned them into the laughing stock. That's a great way to put it. And, and really it's easy to, it's easy to poke holes in the way the Texans are operating right now. Well, yeah, and, and I, I also look at the fact that the, the league's own media network, the NFL Network and NFL.com and NFL Media, like they've had numerous people well-known just basically crushing the team, whether it's Mike Silver, whether it's Jim Trotter today after the BNME, uh interview request, whether it is Steve Weish, like they're just getting absolutely panned uh, in places like that. And yeah, when, when something like the Andre tweet comes out, uh, I know I'm not breaking ground when I say this or breaking news, but when Andre talks, people listen because Andre is not a man of many words, but when he says them, people listen. And for him to attack the organization so directly and Jack Easterby so directly, like, I just don't know how you proceed because it seems to be what's happening, guys, is that Cal McNair seems insistent on keeping Jack Easterby and the fans, the media, and now some players are just utterly refusing to go along, just completely refusing to go along with this plan. I think the thing about it, though, is, you know, I keep hearing, well, there's no way that, you know, Easterby survives this. And there's no way, you know, with all this, at some point, Cal's got to do something. The usually, not usually, but sometimes it works opposite when situations like this come come up like the more smoke the more chatter and everything guys like jack used to be do their best work like the 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 the, the bigger firestorm the bigger dumpster fire that's where behind the scenes jack used to be is actually gaining power more so than losing it because of an andre johnson tweet so i think that's something you got to be very very cognizant of i would say that i i agree with you to an extent landry but it, it's one thing for SI to have the the write-up that they had with numerous anonymous sources and anonymous players upset with Jack Easterby. It's another thing for the media to be critical of Jack Easterby's role with the Houston Texans. This is by far the most public and most vocal anybody who is heavily associated with the organization, like from like caught a paycheck from that team publicly with his name on it going at Jack Easterby and 
I don't know that just Andre Johnson is enough for, for Cal McNair to see it because when it's anonymous players, when it's anonymous sources in the building, I think it's easy for Jack Easterby to make those, uh, you know, to turn those into whispers. Those are things that have been blown out of proportion, Cal. You don't need to worry about that, Cal. Oh, the media. Oh, they're just mad that the Texans have, have lost games. They're just mad at this. He can explain a lot of that away. How can you explain if you're Jack Easterby, how can you explain away Andre Johnson who's one of two names in the ring of honor of this organization up there with Cal's dad. Like that's, that's the level of respect that this organization has for Andre Johnson. So how does Jack Easterby walk into Cal's office and say, Oh, well, Andre's no, I don't know if you can explain away what Andre Johnson has to say. I mean, what he's going to say is that it's been spread and now everybody's buying into it. I mean, that, that's what Easterby's going to say. And he's going to take, he's going to get other owners like, jerry jones or someone and use them as an example of guys who get scrutinized i mean that's how he's gonna play it i don't know that andre johnson tweeting really means as much as a lot of people think it does i I don't i don't know that this has much impact if if something's going to change if you do want to live in a world where you know something needs to change and easterby needs to go if that's the world you want to live in it's gonna have to be deshaun watson it's gonna have to be jjy it's gonna have to be one of these players to step up and actually say something because it's cool that andre's saying something now it's cool that DeAndre Hopkins has something to say. DJ Reader has something to say. None of those guys said a damn thing when they were in the building. So, you know, you leave and then all of a sudden you have something to say. That's good. But if something is going to change, I don't think Andre Johnson is going to be the guy to change it. It's going to have to be Deshaun Watson. It's going to have to be J.J. Watt. It's going to have to be someone in that locker room uh, to make it change. That's, that's well, going to be Those are going to be the voices that change it. Well, Landry, Landry might be correct. I, I don't know what the tipping point would be for Easterby. I don't know exactly what their, what a tipping point is because, frankly, I don't trust Cal McNair, and I just don't, don't think he's a competent owner, and I think the last you know five days have shown that, to say the least. But it's Andre, Arian, DeAndre, DJ Reader. I understand those guys aren't in the building. But, like, at this point, like, at a minimum, if you keep Jack Easterby, that means Andre has now been excommunicated for a while from the organization. Like, that's number one. So he will not be, like, an ambassador or around or part of it, despite that he, the, despite the fact that he is the second greatest player in franchise history. So you would be at least – this may not be a big deal. I have no idea. You'd be picking Easterby over Andre as far as, like, the next couple of years. Then – and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this because I, I noted this a few hours ago. This could have changed or whatever. I'm not like the social media expert, but I believe that Justin Reed and Jordan Akins both liked the tweet. So are we going to like trade those guys too because they have liked that tweet or is that not a big deal whatsoever? I just, I don't know that. I don't know that a, a like of a tweet is going to be enough that Jack Easterby is going to be like, Hey Nick, we got to get rid of these guys. Uh, I don't, I don't, Landry's point about guys with nothing to lose. What does Andre Johnson care about being a Texans ambassador? Truly? Like I, I understand he likes that the organization. Bit, that, bit, like, that bit, by the way, is pretty corny. If you, if you ask me, I don't know if other, other organizations do it or not, but the whole, like, let's put Travis Johnson in a polo and go out there and walk around. Like, I mean, like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I don't know. That, that whole ambassador bit's pretty pretty corny to me. Well, how, how about we rephrase it to forget about ambassador, just having good relations with the alumni on of Who your cares? team. Who cares? Well, I, well, but, well, I, but, I don't, I don't on, know. I mean, but, okay. I don't, I'm, I'm not talking about the, just wearing a polo and going out and doing community stuff. I'm talking about not – Andre Johnson 
not being associated with the organization. I don't think that matters a ton to Andre Johnson. I think Andre Johnson likes football and I think he likes the players. I don't think he cares necessarily too terribly much about the logo, about NRG stadium, things like that. So again, nothing to lose. What Landry said with, with Deshaun Watson, with JJ Watt, be let, let, Let's test the power. Let's test the power because if, you know, J.J. Watt getting into a shouting match with Bill O'Brien was a genesis for Jack Easterby to, to oust O'Brien and, and, you know, sort of set maybe some of his plans in motion, then, okay, let's test how much power J.J. has. Well, J.J.'s got one year left on his contract, and there was already discussion that maybe he was on his way out. So even if he speaks up, okay, well, they'll just get rid of him. Now, that that, that that's where number four comes in. Deshaun Watson – I mean, he's sort of insulated from being able to quote unquote lose in this situation. If Deshaun Watson wants to have a say, if Deshaun Watson wants to put pressure on the Jack Easterby situation, I think the way that, you know, again, air quotes, Deshaun Watson loses in that there's really not a way. So if he wants to press the issue, he wants to push the button. I think he can. And, you know, piggybacking on Landry, that may be the only way that it gets to that point. And he's also – Deshaun is actually the voice of Andre Johnson for not speaking up all those years. He's the voice of J.J. Watt for not saying a damn thing during the Bill O'Brien era until after. He's the voice of DeAndre Hopkins not saying anything. So at this point, maybe maybe Deshaun realizes he has all that support and he goes to it. But as far as, like, the ambassador thing, I, I mean, I, I get that it's a tradition. I just don't – I don't know how important that is. But I will say this, and, and I don't think Cal understands this, uh, but – there's more to that tweet than just the Jack Easterby, Deshaun Watson angle. I mean, the best player in your franchise history basically said your franchise ain't shit. He said that this organization is known for wasting people's careers. And that's where you're not only impacting the decisions you're making and you're not only making the organization look bad on your watch, you're kind of disgracing what your dad tried to do too. Because now all of a sudden you have, Andre Johnson, not only saying that your organization now ain't shit, he's saying your organization has never been shit. He's saying the identity of your organization is wasting people's careers. And that's where that that's where Cal's going to have to really look at this and say, OK, I'm making my own decisions and I have to live with it. But I'm also kind of disgracing and, and besmirching everything that my dad tried to build uh, when he was here, because I think I think that's just as telling uh, with the uh, with the tweets. Uh, that Andre Johnson's basically saying the organization ain't shit. Well, those are strong words, no doubt. I mean, th- and this is where I, I actually disagree with what Andre said. I mean, listen, I, I've watched a lot of great players not go that far into the, into the postseason. Um, but, but I understand Andre's frustration. But I think if you're going to take his sentence literally, the Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Well, then all, if you believe that, then you not only have to do the popular thing in 2020, which is crush Bob McNair, Cal McNair, used to be whatever, but like that's a direct reflection on Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith. Like you can't, you can't co-sign that tweet unless you think Gary and Rick also ruined Andre's career. It's completely inescapable. And that might be besides the point, but that, that kind of bothered me. Well, Gary and Rick aren't in the building anymore. No, I know, but they, yeah, but, so, they but but they, but it went, but they were there for sure. Andre Johnson's whole career minus one season. Here's here's where I, here's where I would push back a little bit on what you just said, Mike. Andre Johnson played in four playoff games. Yes, he he was one of the best wide receivers for the entire stretch of his career, and he played in four playoff games. Randy Moss played in a ton of playoff games. Terrell Owens played in a ton of playoff games. Like great wide great wide receivers typically play in a lot of playoff games. J.J. Watt 
is on course to go down as the greatest defensive player in the history of football to never even play in an AFC or NFC championship game. Okay. JJ fine. That's fine. But when I'm talking about Andre Johnson, if you're saying that his career was wasted, then you have to say that Gary Kubiak and Rick Smith wasted his career. Like there's no argument, but, but Mike, I think what Andre's talking about is Andre's career went by the wayside. Yes. And then JJ's career seems to have gone by the I, wayside. So why I wouldn't Deshaun, not, why wouldn't Deshaun be next? Why wouldn't Watson gonna, be next? I am not going to argue with that part, and especially the, the JJ Watt part. Like to me, if you have a player who is as great as JJ, you have to get at least get to a Super Bowl. You will not get an argument from me on that. The biggest problem I have, and this is all connecting it, the biggest problem I have with Cal McNair right now is Watson said you needed a culture change. JJ said you needed a culture change. I think it's obvious you needed a culture change. But when he goes up there and he introduces Casario, he's talking about how great things are going to be. And he talks about things as if they've been great. Like there isn't a culture change. And this is what the Texans represent. And this is what we're about. He's not really pushing change. That was the problem with Cal. Cal didn't go, Cal could have gone up there and he could have, he could have had those awkward moments. But if he really would have pushed change, this is how it's going to be different. This is why it's going to be different. Then I think I, I think he could have won me over. Like he, I, I could have been won over by that. But the problem with Cal is everybody's saying you need a culture change. And he's going up there and acting like the Texans have always strived for excellence. And then it's just kind of like a cliff note of, oh, yeah, but we need to take the next step. It's very Bill O'Brien-like where Bill O'Brien's going up there bragging about division titles. And then he'll just sneak in, yeah, but we got to be better. <laughs> but we got blah, 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 blah. We're awesome. Like, you know, we're smart, tough, dependable. <laughs> this is the kind of boy play, uh, you know, and, you know, we've, we've won this many division titles and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we know we got to take the next step. But, <laughs> you know, nobody else has done what we've done. I think that's pretty good. Like, it's like you don't really want to change. And I just don't think anyone wants things to – I don't think anyone looks to the Texans and say this is how it should be represented. That, that was the, that's the problem I have with McNair – in uh, Cal's whole, whole pitch. And I think you connect it to what the Texans' reputation is, what Andre says, and where it is now. And it just seems like – I think the point – the big point on this is that Andre is basically saying in an indirect way, this is more of the same, and they're not trying to, you know, maximize Deshaun Watson. Well, and the, the uh, along with the, the not looking towards the future, not going for the culture change, to even act like this football team – the Cal McNair sat in an owner's box for 16 games and watched week in and week out to act like that football team was just on the precipice of something really good because they could have had eight more wins because they were once in, they lost eight of their 10 one score games. Like, like, yes, that, that, that is, that is so stuck in, Oh, we're right there. You're not right there. You, You are not right there. The Colts are right there, okay? The Titans are right there. The Bills are right there. The Texans are not right there. The Texans – I mean, you're talking about 10, 10 one-possession games and all that crap. Why even fire O'Brien then, man? Like, honestly, if, if yeah. you think you're that close and it's 10 one-possession games and that's going to be the pitch, why even fire O'Brien? Like, you made, well, it, you made it seem like everything is just so freaking great. Why even fire him? I don't understand why there is this trend now. And I don't think the Houston Texans are the only guilty party, but it's like when you're trying to like sell something that isn't there, you've been a franchise for the last 19 years. You've been mediocre at best. I think it's okay to say that, 
Like, I don't think because people like people, I think the, I think people like hearing the truth. I think they're okay with hearing the truth because they know it's actually true. And this goes back to like when Bob, like, I think, I think Landry remembers like Cody too, like in 2016, they go to green Bay in that snow game with Osweiler and, and Bob McNair is talking about how people are telling him how, you know, they were so close and Brock Osweiler nearly put as well as, well as Aaron Rodgers. It's like, dude, like, do you not have a sense of what is going on here? Yes. The Texans were unlucky to go four and 12 this season agreed, but if they were lucky, they would have been eight and eight and nine and seven, which is still not a contender. Like, I feel like Cal wants to just sit there and get his like rock boys back. And he just wants to sit there and like, have a good time and watch his team play, which listen, it's fine if you want to do that, but hire good people. Like if you want to be able to do that, hire badasses as many as possible and let them do their work. That's another thing is like to act like, Oh, like, just get back to where we were like that's all you want like don't you want more don't you want that they weren't they weren't that good last year like they were fortunate to make the playoffs they got lucky as hell to win the wild card game yes they were up 24 nothing i understand that i get they were up 24 nothing but for the vast majority of last season they were not a real contender they were not a contender in 2019 and your job is to build a contender Am I, I off on that? No, like they, they were not a contending team last year until they got up 24, nothing with a great start. They were not a contender. They were losing to Buffalo by like 13 or 16 at home in the playoffs people, in a wild card round. People definitely thought they were fake good in that playoffs heading yes. into the playoffs. Yes. And, and even the year before when uh, Indianapolis stomped them at home in their own house in the playoffs, like people, the, the knock on the Texans are that they're not for real in the playoffs. And yes, ever. And, you got to go about changing that and changing that would be, you know, a culture change, like what Landry's talked about. And they, they have not taken the appropriate steps to a culture change. I just, I think Cal might be too comfortable at this point to make a change. Uh, and I like, I like the Casario hire, but I think as far as Easterby goes, I think Cal might be too comfortable not doing much to make a change. I think Easterby is doing a lot of the stuff that Cal probably doesn't want to do and probably isn't capable of doing and i think it's i I think he's just too comfortable to to make that change like who do you think negotiated casario's contract cal hadn't done it there's no chris olsen uh there's no gm in there like who do you think negotiated that contract if you had to guess i don't have a clue i i would okay well i think you can guess i would i would guess that (laughs) i'd guess bob lamont had a had a number in mind and was like we're gonna get this no problem (laughs) Yeah, I'm well, assuming it, it, I'm I'm assuming that Jack Easterby probably negotiated that deal. Who else would do it in the building? That's a that's I mean that's, a, that's an excellent question. That that is an excellent. Like, I mean, I get it could be like whoever Cal's attorney is, and I don't even know who that would be. But but um, even then, you would need someone who knows the going rate for general managers in football. Yes. Um, and I I look, I don't know who the uh, the team attorney is, but I gotta imagine that they would be maybe talking out of turn guessing on how much a GM in the NFL makes. And this, this was my fear of a Casario hire. I know Landry has been higher on this one than most in the last couple of months. And don't get me wrong. I think Nick Casario is absolutely qualified to be the general manager. I think he was a pretty good candidate, but I just worry that 
the waters have been poisoned here and people are sick of the Patriot way and they especially don't like how this process went down. And what really hurts the franchise is, you know, Jamie Roots talked a few months ago about, and he's usually right about this, that when a team hires a new coach and a new GM, that hope springs eternal. Well, in this case, the way that the process has gone, like hope does not spring eternal. Nick Casario right now has zero honeymoon period. And whoever they hire as coach, if it's not like the right name or the right type, they're also going to have zero honeymoon period. Yeah, the the the, the Casario. I mean, like the corn. We can talk about the corn fairy list and the five guys. I like Nick Casario better than all five guys that corn fairy put together. But it seems to me like there was maybe an idea, a thought that Nick Casario wasn't on the corn fairy list because he was seen as a Easter B Avenue. The guys on the corn fairy list, maybe Matt Bazergan wouldn't would have been a, an Easterby situation, but it seemed like the guys on the corn Ferry list, the Seattle cat, the Pittsburgh Hartsner. guy, um, <clears throat> Lewis Riddick, so on and so forth. It seemed like those guys were less likely to be an Easterby Easterby Avenue. Now, am I giving corn Ferry a tremendous amount of credit to think that high, you know, that, you know, yeah, I think I am, but for Nick Casario to not be on the recommendation from corn Ferry, that's a little, that's a little iffy. But well, that makes no the, sense. The, the resume, the resume that he put together, it dwarfs the number three guy in Seattle. It dwarfs the 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 Pittsburgh guy who's never been a personnel guy. It dwarfs Lewis Riddick, who's been out of football, you know, for, out of front offices for a few years. Like Casario's resume is impeccable compared to those guys. But you talked about the poison, the water, the connection with Jack Easterby, and 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 Casario doesn't. It doesn't help when he goes out there at the press conference and says. Yeah, this is a guy who's helped me through some personal stuff. This is my friend. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like that doesn't help the perception of the situation. But football guy Nick Casario, it's up to him to insulate the football team from Jack Easterby. But I don't know if that's possible. Well, one question I have about this search. Well, actually, two things. Uh, and I, I especially have very curious, Landry, your perspective on this. Like, the, the first thing is, okay, the Texans, if they wanted to hire Nick Casario, that's perfectly viable. John McClain told Cody and John on Tuesday morning on 610 that the Texans were interested in Nick Casario all the way back in January 2018 before they hired Brian Gain. Then obviously the second time in July, June 2019. So they've known they've had a GM opening for three, four months. Why was he not on this list? Why was he not on the list? And like, what the hell was the search firm doing if they obviously wanted to hire Nick Casario? That part makes no sense. Number two, when you hear pro football talk or read pro football talk, talk about how the search was going and who the finalists were and who they were allegedly negotiating with, which I know McLean, uh, he shot down the idea that they were negotiating with Omar Khan. Like someone is telling Mike Florio that it may not be correct information. Who knows? But someone is telling Mike Florio the details of a process that should not be public. See, I don't care about the process. Like, I, I don't care if they listen to Corn Ferry. I don't care if they don't. I thought it was weird that that that's. I, I think it's weird that Corn Ferry is even a thing. To be honest with you, I don't quite get it. That just seems like a company that's just basically taking money to do something that I could probably do for three hundred thousand less dollars. If you want me to put it together for you, I can get you some GM candidates. I, I could have had the exact same list. And I probably would have added Casario on there. I don't care about the process uh, at all. 
like not not even a little bit because I, I I have no problem with Nick Casario running running the football ups and I think that's the other I think that's the other thing if you want to look at this and 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 have some sort of hope with the Texans I think Nick Casario could do a good job in football as long as Jack Easterby has nothing to do with personnel I think Nick Casario can do a good job in football he's going to have to get Deshaun Watson to uh, to get on board and he's going to have to hire the right coach but from just a football perspective right now. The Texans are in better shape, assuming that they that they make things right with Deshaun Watson. The Texans are in better shape, and for the first time in damn near two years, they have a legit football guy running football things. That 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 is the one thing that I think you can hang your hat on. And I really don't care about the process. I don't care if they were on Corn Ferry's list. I don't care if they were on some other list. I don't care if Cal McNair flipped a coin. But I think that could be the process. That, that probably could be what upsets Andre Johnson is he feels like he had some sort of input and he just feels like he just kind of wasted his time. Uh, I think that, I, I think if the, if the process were relevant, that would be the thing. Maybe, maybe Andre feels like you wasted his time. Well, that, that's that, the one part of the process that I think is, is a worthwhile piece of it to, to really criticize and dive into is why was the comment it seems given to Deshaun Watson, we want your input. And then they didn't, t- they didn't keep him in. Like we're not necessarily, we want your input. We, we want you to be a part of the process. And this very much to me feels like there was a, 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 a miscommunication at some point. I, I don't know why Deshaun Watson would even want to be a part of the general manager process. Um, maybe the, just the, the Patriots thing, the Easterby connection, maybe that's a negative for Deshaun Watson on Casario. But I think if Nick, if Deshaun Watson sat down with Nick Casario, he'd be by the end by the end of that conversation, he'd be over the moon compared to what he has dealt with in his short time here in Houston. Um, but I, there was definitely some sort of breakdown in communication where, you know, Deshaun thought he was going to get this in the process. Cal maybe thought that he was done with Deshaun in the process. I, I don't what do you what do you guys make of Deshaun and the process? Because it doesn't look like to me, honestly, it doesn't look like to me they ever intended to include Deshaun in the general manager process because Deshaun was on vacation. And and I mean he had to he had to think that they were gonna hire a GM pretty quick and then get to the coaching stuff. It it almost to me, it looks like they lined it up just right to have Deshaun be a part of the coaching search, but they didn't expect him to be a part of the general manager search. Yeah, it seems like, uh, to borrow a tennis phrase, it's a complete unforced error. I mean, A, Deshaun's 25 years old. I don't know what he knows about GM candidates around the NFL, but and I guess what it, what it sounds like is Nick Casario had a great interview in Carolina, so there was a real fear that the Panthers were going to steal him away, so thus the Texans had to have this like last-minute secret flight to New England to bring in Casario. That was strange because my timeline is different than yours. What is I, it? I had the Caroline interview as Tuesday, and he was already in Houston and already jumped on the plane. Oh, so maybe, think, maybe your timeline's different. So I, well, I didn't get that Carolina interview uh, it, vibe. I thought he was already in Houston doing it. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Maybe I, I misstated. Cody, I think McLean said that Casario did his Panthers interview from Houston, but I guess maybe there was an overall vibe that the, that the Texans and Cal McNair had that, you know, maybe he was going to do really well and was a valued candidate, and thus they needed to hire him quickly. Either way, 
it, it would seem that it wouldn't be that hard to let Deshaun know what was going to happen before it hits social media. Like that seems like that wouldn't be that hard to do. I mean, let's not be, let's not be naive about this situation. Nick Casario knew he's going to be the general manager of the Houston Texans. And the, the Panthers interview is a power play to accelerate the process and probably add a couple bucks to the pocket. Maybe let's not be naive. Come on. I mean, he, he had no intention of taking that Carolina Panthers job where he's not the guy. You're, you're not in charge when you go to Carolina. Matt, Matt Rule's in charge. Okay, you know where he Fair is enough. in charge? Nick Casero's in charge in Houston. He wasn't taking the Panthers job. That was posturing to accelerate the process. It wouldn't shock me if that was orchestrated by Bob Lamont, the agent for Jack Easterby and Nick Casario, to make sure that they accelerate the process and get things done in a fast manner. They had to be smiling from ear to ear that that thing went, got put together as fast as it did. Because that was fast. None of these other teams have made their general manager decision as fast as the Texans have. Yes. And we're like a week plus later at this point. That's the odd part. So what went wrong with Deshaun? The only thing I can think of is that like he has some understanding that wasn't the, the case uh, and or they did not communicate what happened to him. That's what happened. And I, and I also think the internet went nuts. And I think Deshaun's on social media a lot. So you know, as soon as his mentions are blowing up and it's fire Easterby, it's Patriot way, it's laughing. Uh, that's just not the ideal way for him to figure stuff out. So I think, I think that came in, but as far as that, I, I, I can't emphasize enough. Jack Easterby's not doing anything personnel wise. Like Jack Easterby, Nick Casario is going to be handling personnel. Agreed. The question is how much does this perception matter? How much does this perception that's going on with Jack Easterby matter? Uh, whether it's reality or not, uh, because, I mean, it's it's reality, but I'm saying like, how much does like it? How much does it matter? How how much of a problem is his presence? How much does that matter? And what else can he do? Because what what what, what are his tasks going to be? Because if he's as bad at his new tasks as he was at personnel, then that's where it could be a problem. But he's not he's not going to do anything personnel wise. Well, there's zero well, percent chance that he does anything personnel wise. Here's here's one of the issues. McLean on Tuesday on 610, he says, okay, well, well, Jack Easterby is going to do, uh, Jack Easterby did a lot of the stuff that Bill O'Brien didn't want to do and couldn't do. Um, and then, you know, Nick is, and then McLean sort of laid it out that Nick Casario is going to be O'Brien and Jack Easterby is going to be Jack Easterby again. And I know that Casario is going to have a, a measure more, and do a little bit more because he's had his hands in a lot more than O'Brien. But short of Jack Easterby turning into the character coach for the Houston Texans, which, by the way, be a bit of irony to have that guy be the character coach at this point, whatever Jack Easterby's in charge of, it, it, it may be optically too much for, the, for him to be in charge of. You know what I mean? Like, just you, you, you because it's not clearly defined you can apply Jack Easterby logic and Jack Easterby movement to whatever part of the organization you want to apply it to. Well, the bottom line is that if the SI story is right or close to right, that 85 to 90% of the building or players don't trust him, then I don't know how Jack does his job effectively. I mean, whatever the job is, it, I don't see how he can do that job if people do not trust him. 
Like you can't, the one thing about trust is it's, you can't command people to do it. You cannot command people to trust you or have confidence in you. Those are things that are earned, that are easily broken. You cannot demand people trust you. You can't. You can't do it. <laughs> He's not, I mean, I, I think we just need to start looking at Jack Easterby as the owner. And I think it'll, oh, I think it'll, God, what? The, the owner? Yes. I mean, I, I honestly, I, he is. They go the, down some cyanide. I mean, I look at him as the acting owner. That's that's, and it's 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 easier to clear your mind. That's that's what Jack Easterby is. Cal McNair's not doing much of anything, and Jack Easterby's basically the the acting owner. And Casario's handing football stuff. The coach is going to come in and do his thing, but I mean, that's basically what he's doing. He's he's keeping he, he's keeping it as simple as he can uh, for Cal. Now, obviously, there's a lot of extra stuff that comes with it, but I almost just look at him as the owner. He's he is the owner of the Texans at this point. Landry does bring up an interesting point, and I, I've thought about this. Where's the end game for Jack Easterby? What does he end with? He he obviously can't be the owner of the Houston Texans. That that's that's not something that the is the only reason I'm saying that is because we, we I, I think I think we we function whenever hold, an hold, owner is incompetent, and we say you can't fire the owner, and we accept that. But this Easterby mystery role, I think there's still people that have hope that he's going to get fired. You can't fire the owner. Easterby's the acting owner right now. Right, right, right. Like, I, like what I'm saying is, is he can't be the owner in the official title, but he can be as high in the organization as he needs to be to where he is insulated from everything, which is the spot right below Cal McNair. Like, is it going to shock me if this, if this somehow some way ends up with Jack Easterby as like, you know, I, I don't know the title, but you know, Cal's considered the CEO, and and, and Janice McNair is the the official owner on the paperwork. But Cal's part of ownership. Um, I mean, is this in with Jack Easterby, CEO of the Houston Texans, in charge of everything that 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 Cal McNair is sort of in charge of right now? And then Cal just kind of gets to sit back and, and 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 take in the sights and sounds of 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 what he has sown. All right, I'm going to say this, and I want you to I want you to hear me out on this. Okay. If that is the case, and it's not a matter of I can replace Easterby with someone, but if that is the case, then I feel better about him being that guy than Cal. Okay, so what you're saying is if Jack Easterby was like the owner of the team, you'd feel better about it than Cal owning the team. Yes, correct. Okay. Correct. Well, you know what? Now, you, now know what? you told me I, I would rather have someone doing what Easterby does that's not Easterby. But if you told me I had to choose yeah. between Cal McNair or Jack Easterby to be performing the owner tasks and all that kind of stuff, I would rather have Jack Easterby calling the shots than Cal McNair. I don't even I, think I don't even think it's close. I don't, I don't have even a think it's close. <laughs> Well, I don't have a firm take on it because I need to kind of let that sink in because what it what that hypothetical that Landry mentioned just now does is it sort of removes anything about Easterby and the way he operates because if he was the owner, then there wouldn't have there wouldn't be these stories about like trust issues or anything else because he would just be the owner essentially. And owners have a completely different function from people in the front office, whether they're in football operations or sort of in football operations. 
Correct. And I think that's I think that's just the the way that you have to look at Easter B. Not not I'm not saying it's awesome. I'm not sitting here saying that's great. But I think if you just look at it that way, it just it, it gives you a little bit more peace of mind. But if you told me, but but I, I think the biggest nightmare for the Texans organization would be Cal McNair being a hands-on owner and, and being the guy that was doing these types of things that Jerry Jones tries to do and that other owners try to do. That to me would be the nightmare. But right now, Easterby is that guy. And that's why whenever that's why whenever you ask Cal McNair what he does, or you ask uh, you know, Casario what he does, it's extra broad because Cal's not just going to come out and say, he does everything that probably I probably uh, should do, but, you know, he can't say that. So that's why I, – I think that's why it's such a broad description whenever you hear what Easterby does. I, um, hmm. I, I think there – I don't think Cal wants to be a hands-on owner. I I I I, I would I think his preference is let me get some people in order that I know for sure I'm not going to have to maneuver or change or work around for like two three years because I mean look at look at what he's had to do in the two plus years since um you know well really, yeah two plus since since Bob became extremely ill and then and then Bob McNair passed away he's had to move on from Rick Smith. He's had to move on from Brian Gain. He's had to move on from Bill O'Brien. And I know that some of that is action that occurred due to the influences in the building, but even the influences in the building aren't going to have this team looking for a new GM in two years and looking for a new head coach in two years. Like this is a, this is a set it and let the cake bake situation. Yes. with what they're putting together this offseason, as I see it. I mean, maybe Cal McNair's the wildest owner we've ever seen, and he's getting a new head coach every two years. He's getting a new GM every two years, and Jack Easterby gets to hold on for dear life the whole time. I just don't get that vibe. I guess I come back to my question that I said off the top, which is people seem to be refusing to accept Easterby staying here. The fans, uh, the media, now guys like Andre Johnson – uh, what is going to change about that situation? Are things going to suddenly calm down one day? Are, are they going to start just start winning because they have a really good quarterback? Like what is going to happen here in the next year? I mean, Casario is just going to have to win over Watson and then the football, the football operations and the personnel is going to have to take care of what goes on on the field. And then, you know, slowly Easterby could be molded into this role where he is kind of the, the face and he's out of the way. So I think, I think that's, that's really, that's really it. Like Casario is just going to have to be really good at his job. He's going to have to win it over to Sean. And then that's, that's the way that things smooth over. This, this is going to sound um, crass when I say it, but if Nick Casario can insulate every single aspect of the football part of the Houston Texans, if he can insulate personnel contracts, players, if he can insulate the football, the on-field product, the 90-man roster, the coaching staff, all that, the training staff. If he can insulate that from Jack Easterby, I don't care what anybody else in the building thinks about Jack Easterby. Live with him. Because if you can insulate the football from Jack Easterby, I do believe with Nick Casario, one of these coaches that they're 
that they're going to hire and Deshaun Watson, you're going to win football games and winning's going to fix everything. So I don't care if the, you know, the business lady who works in the, you know, side office is a little uneasy that Jack Easterby's in the building. I don't care that this person, you know, is uneasy with Jack Easterby and here and here that if they're not in football, I'm sorry. If the, if this keeps the football team in, in the win column, I, I'm sorry that your job is a little bit harder. Uh, if if Casario can insulate Easterby from the football, then then I I I I'll live with Jack Easterby sticking around. Okay, th- that all sounds fine and good, but the reality right now, Cal McNair said something very interesting on Friday, which is we are not Patriots South. And Cal McNair, whatever people are going to say about that quote, is 100% correct. Because one thing I can guarantee you the Patriots would never stand for is what Jack Easterby represents to the Houston Texans, which is a distraction. So what Cody mentioned all sounds fine and good on paper and out loud, but Easterby is a major distraction. How are they going to get that to go away in the offseason, the next couple weeks, because it has been a giant distraction. It continues to be. It distracted over the whole press conference on Friday, and you're you're introducing a new GM. Like, it is a distraction, and nobody can argue against that right now. I disagree with the distraction on Friday. Honestly, I think I think if Nick Castario would have just gone up there by himself, I think this would have been fine. Uh, the, the distraction was Cal, like, on, <laughs> on, on Friday, honestly, like, just just close your eyes and imagine Nick Casario goes up there and Nick Casario answers all these questions and he doesn't have to, you know, cover for Cal. I, I, I don't think I don't think there would have been any distraction. I don't think there would have been any laughing if Nick Casario had just gone up there and answered everyone's questions. I think it would have been fine. I think Cal was the distraction on Friday. And 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 that was the distraction was Cal going up there not looking like not looking very owner-like and not really having much of an answer for questions that probably needed to be answered, that he went out of his way to address, but still didn't address them really. The distraction on Friday was Cal McNair. It was not Jack Easterby. It was the guy with the mustache. The billionaire with the mustache was the distraction. Well, I thought I thought Easterby did a good job of – Casario. Or, excuse me, Casario did a good job of talking around Easterby things. There was Casario didn't have to define anything. Because by the way, we don't actually know what Nick Casario is going to have Jack Easterby do, and I don't even know if Nick Casario does. Nick Casario's worried about hiring a head coach. Like he's trying to figure out who's going to lead the fifty-three man roster on Sundays. So like he can figure out the Jack Easterby BS later. So I'm fine with him in the in the initial press conference, sort of you know working around questions about Easterby. And to Landry's point. Casario worked around it and then Cal, I mean, he just created more questions when he was faced with questions about Easterby. So, you know, it, look, if you believe in any way, shape or form in Nick Casario, then you, you, you see a potential Avenue where Jack Easterby continues to catch a paycheck and a W two from the Houston Texans. And then they could still be a successful organization. By the way, by the way, Jack Easterby is not the reason this team's fucking four and 12 on the football field every week. We can get really critical of Jack Easterby. I understand that they still got a bunch of guys that can't play. And now Casario and now uh, uh, Nick Casario has got to fix that. And Jack Easterby's not in control of that. So I understand that we, we don't like the Jack Easterby presence, but Casario has removed that part of the Jack Easterby presence. So if he sticks around and keeps getting a paycheck, that's fine as long as Nick Casario figures this thing out. Just win some football games. 
look, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of like organizations and there's a lot of companies. And there's a lot of businesses where certain guys do certain things and certain guys shouldn't be doing certain things. You'll never hear me say Cal McNair should speak ever again. Like I'm Same. not, I'm not <laughs> like, I will never, I, there, I've probably said that like 20 times now. You're never going to hear me say that. And that's not disrespectful. I'm not being disrespectful to him. He's just not comfortable doing it. And he's not doing himself any favors doing it. So he does not need to be doing that anymore. Like he does not need to put himself in that situation. It just does not need to happen. Now, does that mean Easterby goes up there? And, and how much of a dump? How much? Oh, man, how crazy would that be if Easterby went up there? But Cal just does, he just does not need to be doing that. It, it, it's just not, it, it's not something that he needs to be doing. I can't argue with that. I, I've been yelling and screaming that Cal needs to meet with the media uh, in some capacity. And I don't know, I guess if I were to try to give him a pass, I, not a pass, but try to rationalize that maybe you'd say like it's maybe he needs like smaller groups or like do one-on-ones or something like that. But yeah, he just he he does not come across in any way that you would want an NFL owner to do it. He's trying to be chummy in a spot where it is completely inappropriate. He doesn't he didn't have a sense of the moments for what was a big press conference going in on Friday. Uh, I do disagree with you guys. I think Easterby is a distraction, but I think we agree that, yeah, at, at this point, like Cal is not doing anything good by anything of what he says. Well, I mean, like, uh, I mean, yeah, he's a, Jack Easterby's a distraction, but, you know, if you don't like the hostess and you're a cook at a restaurant, you still got to cook the fucking food. Okay. I like, I, 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 but I Cody, but uh, hang, on, hang on, hang on. This isn't like me make, listen, I, I don't work in the NFL. I'm saying this is what these guys preach. Like the coaches, the GMs, they're always like, we have to have a singular focus, one mind. We have to like take it one day at a time, sure. one hour at a time, one rep at a time. They're the ones that are big on distractions and we can't distract ourselves okay. with anything. Like, and this is a distraction. Okay. Distractions are also tolerated based on what you can do. Yes, it, 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 I know it, that. It, but under my under my under my theory that Jack Easterby is basically the acting owner and he's he's basically functioning as the owner, that distraction is is, is valuable. Like you still, if he's performing those tasks, then the value is there for Cal McNair. Like if Aaron, if 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 there's a if there's a guy with off field problems, but he's still producing on the field, then the distraction is valid. I think the mystery is. What is this guy doing and why is he so valuable to Cal McNair? I think he's performing all of these ownership tasks. So the value is there when it comes to the distraction. We might not see it, but I think it makes the most sense as to why he's still around here. It's not because they go to church. Like I've seen that like, oh, well, you know, they just just connect spiritually. Trust me, if they were just church buddies and that was the value that Cal McNair saw in Jack Easterby, his ass would be out of here. You got to ask yourself. Why is this guy so valuable? I think it's because he's doing all of these ownership tasks. Mike, as far as the word distraction goes, if if Jack Easterby's presence in the Texans organization makes it impossible for a cornerback to try to cover A.J. Brown, then get rid of the fucking cornerback. If that's something that keeps you from performing on Sunday, when the game happens, then get rid of him. 
they, they get a whole new whole new team. Get, get 52 new guys in here and then make Deshaun live with it. Because if Jack Easterby showing up to practice and standing next to the owner watching practice is such a big distraction for, for somebody on the team, then maybe you're not a football. Maybe you're not an NFL football player. Maybe you're not capable of succeeding on Sundays anyway, beyond not only just your talent, but your mental capacity to succeed. Because like this guy, I, I, I understand that we – we are upset with his presence. This guy does not drastically affect Sundays anymore in this organization. He does not have the power anymore to drastically affect the 53 man product that happens on the field on Sundays. So what would you do with him? If you were Cal McNair, I would make sure that Nick Casario insulates him from a situation where he could be annoying, where he could upset people in a in a non-football setting. I would make sure that he is insulated from the ability to upset people with his presence. I would get rid of him immediately. That That's what I would do. For, for me, it's not even a discussion. I'd get rid of him, I, and I would hire a new head coach. That's what I would do. Because that, like, that instantly is going to generate a ton of goodwill among your fan base, granted at a cost of some money, but something that I think would be very positive for them moving forward. But if you do that, aren't you basically admitting that you got duped and that you were kind of foolish? Like, isn't that, isn't well, it kind of, isn't it just as from Cal's perspective, like if he gets rid of Easterby, are we, is it going to happen? And all of a sudden it's going to be like, all right, yay, Cal, yay. Or is it almost like him admitting that he got duped and that all this noise and everything was right? Well, I thought Seth Payne had a good uh, tweet about this when he said, listen, like there's no shame in getting duped. It, it happens to the best of people, like people who are very smart got duped for decades by Bernie Madoff. Like this kind of thing happens. It happens. Yeah. People get duped. Name, an, name another example. Name another NFL example. I mean, like, yeah, that's a Wall Street example. That's cool. Like name another NFL example of, this, of something like this happening. Jerry Jones got duped by Mike McCarthy. He did, yes. I mean, I, I that, example, it, that example is less than a year old. It's a it's a good question, Landry. I I, I guess okay. It's a good question. I mean, because the basically what you're saying is like, okay, well, if you're firing Jack, you are basically giving in to the public pressure and what's going on. But I would say sometimes the public the public pressure becomes so overwhelming that the only thing that you can do is move on for the sake of all parties. That, that's kind of where I am with this situation. I mean, think about what we have right now. Like, I know sometimes the frog boils in the water very slowly and we get to this. Like, if I had said to you five years ago, hey, we're going to have a day when Andre Johnson randomly goes to Twitter and crushes the guy who's the VP of football operations for the Texans. Like, that's a bizarre deal. Like, I'm looking at these headlines on NFL.com and, like, going back to the laughing stuff. Like, this, this is, like, I feel like all these other teams have, like, rich person problems problems compared to what we're dealing with in Houston. Well, I mean, it, it's just it's just because it is Andre. Like, Michael Irvin is one of the most outspoken you know, boombastic vocal guys there is. Yeah. And the Cowboys have been through some crappy times. Uh, and he never once has criticized the organization like this. Like he's always been somewhat on board. Some of these guys are loyal to the organization. In fact, Andre. And the other thing is, it's not like Andre, some guy who tweets a hundred times a day. Like, <laughs> he never tweets. <laughs> he never tweets. He never says anything like this. Anything. And he comes out of nowhere and just drops this bomb. I thought it was fake. 
I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what was going on. I got on the plane in Vegas, uh, and, and, and I land and it's like Andre Johnson blasts Texas. I was like, what? I had, I had, to, I had to look back and forth who, by the way, Andre Johnson and Deshaun Watson at the Rockets game against the Lakers. Uh, I did see that. Pictures and stuff. So I don't know if that means anything, but they were there. Um, I, I, I think most people would say maybe that, you know, in the midst of, this team going on a coaching search, having spent the time that we have on Jack Easterby and the organizational dysfunction is notable. Um, Eric B got the, the request. The yep. request comes in a day after they actually could have interviewed him. So it's going to be a little bit of a wait um, before they actually get to sit down with Eric B going to nip it in the bud. He's not saying no to this interview. Okay. He's not going to say no to the interview, by the way. I, so we can just stop. We're not even discussing that. Okay. So, Bienemy gets the 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 interview request. He's the only legitimate candidate Nick Casario has requested. I'm not even entertaining the idea that Leslie Frazier or that Baltimore wide receivers coach <laughs> is going to be the head coach of this team. So I'm not. What about them saying that Baltimore receiver coach is ready to coach? He's freaking <laughs> 65, dude. Yes, that's ridiculous. He's yeah. ready for a head coaching job. I had never heard of the guy. Plus, right. it's, it, I, I know this may not be a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. Like the, the Ravens receiving court to me is like one of the weaknesses on Baltimore. I keep watching that. I'm, I'm like, I feel like Lamar needs another guy. I don't know if it's if Cully, if it's Cully's fault. I do have a quick question. This might be bad form to do this uh, as we're recording. I've read multiple reports about when they can talk to the enemy. I've seen the Chiefs season being over, and I've seen January 26th. Do you guys know when they can talk to Eric Bieniemy? After it, the it, season now. After the season uh, is is when now, I think, or, the, or between the bye. It's my understanding January 25th is the day. Okay. Because that would be the um, – That would be after the uh, conference championship games. That would be the bye week prior to the Super Bowl. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that would be the week of the – what what traditionally was the Pro Bowl? Obviously, there's not one this year, but that'd be the that'd be the bye week before the Super Bowl, where um, you can then talk to him. I think the the thing is is that's that's 14 days away. Um, yep. So or, you know, uh, roughly 14 days away. How many decisions are going to get made before then? And would one of these teams that has already interviewed him make the decision on him? And and you know, then they would get criticized for having been slow to the gun on that. You know, I don't think it matters if they know who they're going to hire. Like if you think the corn fairy thing was a hoax, then <laughs> why would you, why would you think that they're going through a real uh, coaching process? What if they already know the guy and there's no hurry? What if Gerard Mayo is basically just on standby and they know that they can go through this B enemy process? What, what if, what if they know who the guy is? And I'm just saying that to anyone who thinks that the whole process of the GM was a hoax. Why would you? Why would you even trust this process if you didn't trust that one? Well, they wouldn't. My, my my question would be, from a talent stand, is there an elite coach prospect that would be on standby through them doing a sham interview with Eric Bieniemy? I don't, I don't know. Have, yeah. The, did y'all hear Cal say that the coach is going to be an extrovert? Yes, of course. Yeah. So. I'm just chalking guys off my list based on that. Like I not Marvin Lewis, not Jim Caldwell, not Jim not, Caldwell, not probably Joe not Brady. Joe, not Joe Brady, not Leslie not, Frazier, not nope. Josh McDaniels, not the Baltimore wide receivers coach. Dable, nope. maybe I don't know. I, I guess he's got a little fire to him. Uh, the enemy is definitely not an introvert. Uh, Gerard Mayo is far from an introvert. 
So, I mean, it's, I'm just Saul is an extrovert. Yeah, I'm I'm crossing guys off my list based on that. I think I don't I think Saul is already going to have a job, so it's not even going to be an option. That that dream is dead. Okay. But when you say extrovert and 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 you say that so firmly, I mean that chalks a lot of guys off the list. Rex Ryan. <laughs> well, that is an extrovert. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean this this Gerard Mayo one has been a possibility since it it was kind of dropped into the uh, Chronicle in like late November or so. And I mean, listen, they would be crushed if they hired Gerard Mayo. Um, he's thirty four years old. They should be crushed if they hired Gerard and, Mayo. I mean, listen, Gerard Mayo he might be a great head coach. We don't know because this process is always tricky to figure out what's actually going to happen, and it's very inexact to say the least. I mean, Eric, be, uh, Gerard Mayo's our age basically, and and there is nobody who is interviewing a head coach who is interviewing Gerard Mayo. So maybe as the old Jets fans said in like the nineties, maybe they know something that all of us don't know because that's how Gerard Mayo needs to be successful. Um, I know he's always been considered one of those like linebacker captain leader types, but if I'm going to hire someone like that, uh, I'd much prefer to be on the offensive side of the football because I mean, my, I don't even know where to begin with Gerard Mayo, but it's like one of my first questions is, okay, what's your philosophy offensively? Who the hell's your offensive coordinator going to be? Because that's going to be critical to whatever success you have with the Texans. Gerard Mayo. I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, enter- <laughs> I'm not entertaining Gerard Mayo. I'm not entertaining <laughs> Gerard Mayo as a, as a candidate. I'm not listening I mean- to this. It's not I me think, doing I this. I think for one, I, I, look, if, if they hired Gerard Mayo, I just want you to be ready for this, okay? Because <laughs> I, I, it's... It... <sighs> Mayo! They're going to play up that they hire an African-American coach if they hire Mayo. How do you play that up? <laughs> just like, telling I... you, that's going, to be, that's going to be just as much part of the pitch as <laughs> the Patriot way. It's going to be, we're happy to welcome the first African-American coach in Houston Texans history, uh, please welcome Gerard Mayo, and it's going to be Gerard Mayo. That's going to be the, that's going to be the pitch. Look, look, I I've got serious serious questions about the validity of Eric Bieniemy's head coach future. I'm not okay. even going to talk about all the off the field crap. I'm talking about football stuff. He sucked at Colorado. He doesn't he doesn't do the important stuff in Kansas City like all these other guys do. But I'll hire Eric Bieniemy 150 times out of 100 over Gerard Mayo, who's coached in the NFL for two years. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just telling you. I, I, I thought the Mayo that. thing was funny. But, I'm just telling you this Mayo thing. But if you're Meltz just trying, Melz is tickled dude, by this thought. Dude, if you're just trying. He coaches, he coaches inside linebackers. He coaches inside linebackers. He's not even like the linebackers coach, let alone the defensive coordinator. He's the inside linebackers coach. If I'm you, just telling you, I'm just telling you to be like, don't be shocked if Gerard Mayo is the coach. I'm serious. I'd rather Anthony Weaver be the head coach than Gerard Mayo. <laughs> That's not a crazy you. take. I'm on, but, but, stuff too. That is that is such a narrow minded and offensive way to hire a head coach. That is that is that you think you're being progressive if you put if you if you put that up and you and you tout that, but that's not a progressive way to think. What would Deshaun Watson think of Gerard Mayo's head coach? He might be able to win him over. He's got some charisma. I'm sure he does. I think Deshaun like, Deshaun be looking he for talks a, a, at business conferences and stuff. Like he he has he has some pretty impressive con- like he's he's an impressive dude, man. Like business conferences. 
cool. Tell me about the 401k. I don't give a fuck what you think about the 3-4 defense. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, man. Like when you when you start throwing out when you when you start throwing out stuff like introvert and and and, and you and you you Cal's eyes got like real big. He's like, oh, this is an extrovert. It's almost like he knows who the guy is. And that would be the enemy. That would be Mayo. Uh that it just it seems to be right there as a possibility. It, I have no it idea. Would, it, it would stand to reason that Gerard Mayo would be a – I mean, they're the only team that's interested in him, so he'd be on standby, and they could do whatever hires – or they could do whatever interviews they wanted, da 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 And then if if they knew it was Eric Bieniemy, they had it in the bag. Um, it, how about cluing in Deshaun Watson to that point if you had it in the bag? Uh, sure. And, and number two – it would stand to reason that, again, you could do all the interviews you wanted to do, check all the boxes on all the interviews, and then you just hire Eric Bieniemy the, the first moment you get to hire Eric Bieniemy, and it doesn't matter when you interview him. So, again, Landry, you, you were the first to say it. They know what they're doing, and they've known what they're doing. The Casario thing showed it first. Yep. And it would stand to reason that that because they knew what they were doing with Casario for so long, they now know what they're doing at head coach. Um. I mean, is there, is there a candidate that we haven't that that's that's sort of off the wall that we haven't thought of? Staley, like, Staley. Yeah, that would be interesting. The Who Rams I like. defensive coordinator. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like him a lot. Well, he's in he's in the same boat as Bienemy right now. He can't interview until the Rams season is over or yeah, January twenty fifth. That'll end on Saturday. They don't they don't need to worry about that. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I said, <laughs> the, I said the same thing on Saturday, and I lost a hundred dollars doing it. So you know. Well, I'm, I'm telling you, the Rams are not beating the uh, the Packers this weekend, so okay. they will be able yeah. to interview Brandon Staley. And, and I. I may never had any one. awful playoff disappointments before, so no. That, that uh, listen, happen. Jared Goff is not going to Lambeau uh, with a with half a thumb and winning that game. But and, uh, you, you're right, literally. Like they, they need to wait for the Rams to lose. I expect the Rams to lose. Brandon Staley is a hire that would excite me because, unlike Gerard Mayo, no offense to his resume, Staley is a guy who's kind of come out of nowhere and had some really unique and effective schemes no with the Rams. His resume. He has two years of coaching as an inside linebacker coach. There's nothing. I know his resume can't be offended. Good points. Touche. Uh, that's, by the be- way, Andre just put out on Instagram, Andre Johnson put out on Instagram picture with him and Deshaun Watson. It says stand your ground in all caps. Really? Yeah. Okay. So if there is hope for the Easter bee thing, it's going to be as simple as Deshaun coming out and saying him or me, him or me. That's it. It's, it's going to, if, if there's any hope that, that you want some, an Easter be free Houston Texans organization. Deshaun coming out and saying him or me is the only way that that type of stuff happens. Um, it, it It's worth noting that Jack Easterby was heavily involved in the negotiation of the contract that is very Deshaun Watson friendly that allows him to, as Chris Mortensen termed it, play hardball with the team to force a trade. So I, I don't I don't even know what that means, by the way. Like I have no idea what that means. Well, you can't trade Carson Wentz because it costs fifty million dollars to do it. Well, you actually you well I, I'll correct you actually could trade Carson Wentz. It's just not great on their cap, but they could do it. The Eagles, right? But Mike, Mike, when that fiscally responsible, fiscally responsible. That's not spending fifty million dollars to make a guy go away. That's not that's not fiscally responsible. No, I agree. Yes, it's, but and it, did, but comp- did, and comparing what it takes to get rid of a Carson Wentz who's not good. And comparing what it takes to get rid of maybe a Jared Goff who's not as good as Deshaun Watson. Yes. And and even a Matt Ryan, a Matt Stafford at this point, Deshaun Watson, it should cost an exorbitant amount of money to get rid of Deshaun Watson. It doesn't. Okay. It, it's enough. feasible. 
my, my, my take on any Deshaun Watson trade speculation is as follows. I would only be willing to trade Deshaun Watson for one player in the NFL, and I will not get that player. If I was forced to at gunpoint, I would trade him for two others. That would be Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. That's it. That's the list. Otherwise, my stance on this is I would rather lose all 16 games in 2021 than even entertain trading Deshaun Watson, and I will not back down from that. Wait, who's the one player that you want that you can't get? Mahomes. That's oh, it. Okay, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's where I stand. Deshaun like, Watson's not getting traded. I agree. But it, it would be interesting to see if he did say him or me, like a Kobe Shaq type thing where you have to pick between one of those guys. Because that has happened before where yeah. someone says, you know, because it's, it's hard to compare the Easterby situation to anything, but there have been situations where it's him or me. Either I go or he goes. And, and, and I'm not – are we convinced that Deshaun's specific issue is with Jack Easterby or more the way things are run, which involves Jack Easterby, which is a – that's a distinction right there. That's up for Deshaun to decide. Well, yes, I know well, that. No but, kidding, Cody. <laughs> thank you. I never – I never – Oh, really? <laughs> really? Oh, okay. I mean, does, is there, is there, does it matter that much which way it falls in? Well, I would say yes, because if his issue is specifically with Easterby, he doesn't trust him and he blames him for everything that has gone on and, and, and has gone on recently, then the issue would be Deshaun versus Easterby versus if Deshaun has a, a, a fine relationship with Easterby but just has a problem with the way Cal ran the GM search and he's just nervous about how things are going to go, then Deshaun would not be incentivized to say him or me as it relates to Jack Easterby. The other thing I think that, you know, maybe could be a factor in this is unlike J.J. Watts, Deshaun's always been pretty complimentary of Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's never really had anything too bad to say about Bill O'Brien. So I think that could be coming into play here. Uh, all the, all the obvious issues that players appear to be having with Easterby, but Deshaun also, I mean, he could be looking at BOB and saying, man, this guy ran my guy out of town. And, and there is that. So I, I do think that's like, unlike JJ Deshaun, unlike new Copkins, unlike, you know, some other guys who've, you know, had issues with the front office, Deshaun was kind of a BOB guy, at least publicly. Oh yeah. I, yeah. But, Deshaun has always struck me on, up but, until, but, yeah, but hold on. Ryan Rosillo from back in the day was saying that Deshaun, really actually didn't like Bill O'Brien and he and Hopkins Hopkins and Bill O'Brien didn't get along and neither did Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien. So I think he was polite publicly, but I can't get on board that Deshaun Watson was a BOB guy. I don't know okay. if he was a BO. Well, I don't know if he was a BOB guy, but I I'm kind of with me. Landry. He fooled me. He fooled yeah. Me. Yeah. If he was not a BOB guy, he fooled me in his public appearances. Yes. And, and Ryan Rosillo was right on a lot of those things. I'm just not convinced on the Deshaun O'Brien parts. Yeah, I mean, he went out of his way to to praise O'Brien to to almost like a frustrating level. Yeah, uh, so. I think he's just polite. But 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 Cody, go back and listen to Deshaun after the loss to Kansas City. He was basically like, "Listen, I don't care what what y'all say. Like, that's my he coach. Said, I like, love that man. I'll yep. play for that guy anytime. Yep. He's my coach." It was da, more da, than da, 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 da. it was more than just being trite. Yeah, but I, I mean that that was in the moment, and then he had a whole off season where Bill O'Brien traded away. The, the best receiver on the team, which, we're, you know, I don't know. We, there's speculation here that, you know, maybe Deshaun, that didn't upset Deshaun as, as other stuff has. And then Bill O'Brien authored, you know, what was not. I mean, he he's complimentary of Tim Kelly, too. I mean, 
Like, well, I think it, he like I think he likes Tim but, Kelly, but but he was he was complimentary to Tim Kelly taking him to the next level as a quarterback. Like he never yeah. said that about Bill O'Brien. So I mean, he might have been a Bill O'Brien guy after the Kansas City game, but by week four, I don't think he's a Bill O'Brien guy anymore. If he I, was, I, okay, I'm just trying to sprinkle it in, but yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I will say this: that that whole thing, that report about how. Deshaun was a two about the Hopkins deal, but a 10 about this whole thing to me is kind of illogical. I mean, I, I guess maybe I can get myself to a point where I understand it, but like the DeAndre Hopkins trade was way more ridiculous than ignoring corn Ferry's suggestions and going with Nick Casario's GM. Like if Nick Casario was the GM, he would have never traded DeAndre Hopkins for that package. So that is what struck me as odd about that specific report. I d- there's definitely some clarification that, I mean, we may not get it, but there's definitely some clarification that Deshaun has to have with the organization. Like, yes. Oh, this, what, what, I, this is what, what other, this is what I thought. This is what happened. Yes. Let's get on the same page. Another quick thing. I, I'm very against this whole, and I don't know if this uh, this is a camp or something, or like this is a Chris Mortensen thing, but I find it wildly unacceptable that Chris Mortensen reports on Sunday morning that part of Deshaun Watson's frustration over the with the Texans is their handling of social justice issues and then retract that like an hour or two later. Like you can't retract that. Either it is true or it is not true. That's not something that like you can that you can get your wires crossed on that. Like it's one thing to accuse an organization of being inept. It's another to accuse them of being racist. So I don't know if that's a Mortensen thing or his sources, but I ha- I had a problem with that. What was your read on that, Landry? That that feels to me like somebody I don't, from, from the you're camp. You're going to have to be I – would, I would have to get more specific on what exactly they've handled. I, I mean, I, I thought it was weird to, to say that because I don't know. And, I mean, I know, I know the Bob McNair uh, past, but I thought this past year I actually think Bill O'Brien was about as player-friendly when it came to handling the social justice thing as, as anybody. So, I don't that, know – I, I would have to get a little bit more specific on that. But the fact you do retract it, I think in this day and age with this climate, that's not like a spelling. That's not like a spelling error. That's not like something like that. Like that's something that if you're going to put that out there, you damn sure better have someone telling you that this is the issue and not just making it up. That's that's um that felt like someone from Watson's camp spoke out of turn and didn't didn't truly know what Deshaun Watson actually felt. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that, which is problematic if that is the case. Look, we, yeah. we, we're aware Deshaun Watson has seen all of this go on because he's got, I mean, I know he had Wi-Fi in Cabo. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the first thing that Mortensen wrote, because I'm, I'm looking at it right now, is uh, basically the, the reports about Watson's unhappiness with the Texans are accurate and sources close to the quarterback say he is still angry at the team's insensitivity to social justice, including hiring practices after the franchise failed to interview Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy this past week. It was the first thing that he said. Like it was basically the the whole tweet itself. Like you can't you can't get something like that wrong. Because the next tweet is, well Watson's unhappiness with the Texans is not strongly connected to social justice issues. A source close to the quarterback clarifies even though th- those issues are important. Like what? Like that like I that 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 really bothered me. That bothered me. Well, I'm glad Mort cleaned it up. Yeah. I mean, this is the same guy who screwed up the flake gate. And Chris has been a great reporter in the past, but, you know. Damn. I didn't know we were going to finish the podcast with Mike going after Chris Mortensen's credibility. I'm just Jeez. saying that. It's a factual Jeez. statement. He got, he got the flake gate wrong. Wow. Woo. What do you think about John Clayton? You want to just go at everybody now? You want to go at McClain? Uh, no, no. I think John's done a good job throughout this process. 
He got, I have no issue with McClain. He, he got clowny wrong, though. Had to eat the newspaper. <laughs> That's right. Yes, he did have to eat the newspaper, but he actually ate the newspaper. I guess it was the front, the front page of the sports section. Is that what it was? <laughs> if, it, very quickly, if you're Genevieve Clowney and you get to town and the first thing you see is the, the main sports guy eating the newspaper, what were you thinking? It's like, what? what's going on here? <laughs> Props to McLean, though. He said he would do it. I mean, you know. And he did. All right, this thing's been a beast. So uh, let's, um, let, if you're still listening, you know, th- you thank rule. you. You're awesome. At Mike Meltzer on Twitter, at Landry Locker on Twitter, at Cody underscore Stutes on Twitter. Hey, don't forget it's Deshaun's decision. Of course. Of course it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Every Everything's Deshaun's decision now. All right, see you, fellas. See ya. Yes.